It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Monday, May 24th, 2021. I'm Claudio Mendonça, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Campfire survivors organized a rally in the town of Paradise this weekend. The California Report has the details. National Native News covers CNN's removal of Rick Santorum, the details regarding the Eastern Shoshone tribe's potential cannabis legalization, and how the Gila River Indian community is offering nonprofit organizations vaccine incentives. Then, after a roundup of regional news and weather, Al Stoller will inform us about all the things that are happening in the sky this week. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in the town of Paradise, where a hundred or so survivors of the 2018 campfire gathered this weekend for a march along the Skyway, the main road through town. They are survivors of California's deadliest and most destructive fire, caused by equipment belonging to PG&E. And they organized this rally after KQED's recent investigation into the finances of the Fire Victim Trust. That trust is in charge of distributing billions of dollars to them and almost 70,000 other PG&E fire victims as part of a settlement with the company. But the money has come slowly. We found that in its first year, 2020, the trust spent $51 million on overhead, while just $7 million went to fire victims. Sasha Poe lost her house in Paradise and rents in Chico while she waits. It's the trust that's set up for fire victims, yet so many months and years down the line, fire victims haven't seen much. Poe says she wants more transparency into where those dollars, which come from funds for victims, are going. The vast majority of them haven't gotten anything so far. Representatives of the Fire Victim Trust have declined KQED's repeated interview requests. In a YouTube video posted this week, trustee John Trotter acknowledged the frustration of fire victims, but also predicted more delays. We're dealing the hand we were dealt, and we're doing the best we can. We're still walking uphill on this. We're not, we're not near the top yet. We're, we're, getting, we're making progress. We're getting there. The trust has picked up the pace of payments in recent weeks, with $250 million distributed to date. That's still a small fraction of the $13.5 billion promised. Terry Lindsay says it's not enough. At Saturday's rally, she spoke about the trauma her family has experienced as tears ran down the face of her daughter, Erica, who was seven when the fire took their home. Every time she sees smoke, she cries. She can't heal until we can go home. She said KQED's investigation prompted her to be there. Until that report came out, it changed my life and took me back to the day. What Lindsay wants now is the same thing many of the other 70,000 fire victims want, a place where she can envision a new future for her family. For now, they're living in a trailer while they wait. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org.
California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care on the web at chcf.org voices, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. Now to some headlines out of Southern California. A man arrested in connection with a suspected anti-Semitic attack in West Hollywood last week has been released on bond. The LAPD says several people were assaulted outside a sushi restaurant last Tuesday. Police say it involved several people shouting slogans against Israel. A video that captured part of the attack shows people in a caravan waving Palestinian flags and yelling obscenities. Police are looking for other suspects. The incident prompted condemnation from both the police and the sheriff's departments, as well as local religious leaders. Turning to the pandemic, the L.A. Unified School District is launching a new vaccination program today with the goal of getting doses to 300,000 students over the next two weeks. Along with 19 permanent vaccination sites at schools in the district, mobile units will be spread out across L.A. County, traveling to about 250 school sites over the next 13 days. There will also be a similar program in the summer for students who miss their chance to get vaccinated during the school year. It's not your imagination. The cost of being Californian is going up. That's the key finding of a recent study by that name released by the Oakland-based nonprofit, the Insight Center. Earlier this morning, I spoke with its president, Ann Price, about her research. One of the most surprising findings of our study was the fact that Black, Latinx, and Native households with no children are struggling more financially than white families with two children. That was quite astonishing. We're really seeing what's happening in the labor market for many communities of color. Unequal pay, unpaid care for children and elders, underemployment and even labor market discrimination plays a big part in why we're seeing some of the numbers that we're seeing. And walk us through some of the specific numbers. I mean, we're both in the Bay Area here, and you do an extensive look in this report at the cost of childcare in our region. Talk us through what you found. Yes, we all know that childcare is extremely expensive in the Bay Area. Childcare costs are now outstripping the cost of housing, except in one of our most expensive counties, like Marin County, for example. But the cost of just having a child in the Bay Area is really becoming untenable for many families. Mm -hmm. And one of the findings that we had that was also pretty alarming was the share of Black families in Marin County who are striving to cover their basic expenses went from 56% in 2018 to 95% in 2021. So the cost of just having a child in the Bay Area is really becoming untenable for many families. In fact, having just one child nearly doubles the likelihood that a married couple will really teeter on the edge of financial precarity. That was Ann Price, president of the Insight Center, on the new study titled The Cost of Being Californian, Soaring Economic Inequity for People of Color. The California Report is a production of KQED Public Radio. You can check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
There you can hear all of our stories for the day from all around the state. And you can talk to us on Twitter. I am at Lily Jamali. That is our show for this Monday, May 24th. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Native groups are plotting CNN's termination of its contract with senior political commentator Rick Santorum. Native groups, including the National Congress of American Indians, Indian Collective, Native Organizers Alliance, and Illuminative called for Santorum's removal after comments he made about Native Americans. Last month, a video surfaced of Santorum speaking at a conservative youth event where he said, we birthed a nation from nothing, and went on to say, there isn't much Native American culture in American culture. Native groups called the comments racist, whitewashing history, and attempts to erase Native peoples. National Congress of American Indians President Fawn Sharp in a statement Sunday said she was thrilled about the firing. She emphasized partnerships with tribes to address portrayals of indigenous people. Judith LeBlanc, director of the Native Organizers Alliance, in a statement said the firing is a start, but called on CNN to do more and hire Native people to cover Indian country issues. The Eastern Shoshone General Council on the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming recently held a special meeting regarding medical marijuana. As Wyoming Public Radio's Signa McAdams reports, the council voted to move the conversation forward on the cultivation, extraction, and retail sale of cannabis. Enrolled Eastern Shoshone member Bobby Shongatsi proposed the idea and says legalizing marijuana will help the tribe see greater economic growth just when it needs it most. And this all helps with economic development to bring revenue into all these programs that can help benefit and get our people healthy again. The required 75-member quorum was lost in the mid-afternoon before voting on decriminalization. But the Eastern Shoshone General Council was able to pass 13 resolutions, including several outlining the foundation for a cannabis commission. Shangatsi says it's important to keep moving forward. With the fast-moving cannabis industry, we need to have general counsel as often as possible. Another Eastern Shoshone General Council meeting is scheduled for July 24th to consider decriminalization. For National Native News, I'm Signa McAdams on the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming. The Gila River Indian community in Arizona is offering nonprofits a COVID-19 vaccine incentive. Under the program, nonprofit organizations in the community can receive $100 per shot for hosting COVID-19 vaccination events. The tribe will provide its mobile vaccination unit and healthcare staff. Gila River Indian Community Governor Stephen Ra Lewis announced the incentive program over the weekend in a video message to community members. This mobile vaccination unit will bring the vaccine to you locally, to your subdivision, your business, your church, wherever our members are. Lewis hopes the incentive program will encourage people to get the vaccine. We can do good for ourselves, our families, and the community by getting vaccinated, and we can make a difference now. I hope this persuades those of you who were on the fence until now or thought getting the shot wasn't convenient to take advantage of our mobile vaccination unit program. If you can't come to the shots, we'll bring them to you. 
The tribe's offering an additional incentive to nonprofits when the community reaches 50% of fully vaccinated members living on the reservation. Nonprofits with the highest vaccinations from first through third will receive $25,000, $15,000, and $10,000. As of Saturday, the Gila River Indian community had a vaccination rate of 41%. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. This reminder to get your COVID-19 vaccination is provided by the Association of American Indian Physicians and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention who support this show. Info at aaip.org or cdc.gov slash coronavirus. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. CAL FIRE reports in a release that on Wednesday, May 19th, The agency, assisted by the Yuba County Sheriff's Office and the Department of Fish and Wildlife, arrested a woman for felony arson after reports of someone lighting fires along Scott Grant Road in the community of Loma Rica. The woman is currently being held on a $100,000 bail in the Yuba County Jail. As a reminder, due to the increasing fire danger posed by the high volume of dead grass and hot, dry conditions in the region, CAL FIRE has suspended all burn permits for outdoor residential burning within the state responsibility area of Nevada, Yuba, and Placer counties. This suspension took effect this morning at 8 a.m. and bans all residential outdoor burning of landscape debris. Due to an increase in the number of reported conflicts between humans and coyotes in California, a series of online-based workshops are scheduled to help local communities and residents understand the reasons for that increase and how to reduce future conflicts. The focus will be on effective educational campaigns and coyote management plans. People interested in participating in this conversation about coyotes in the urban environment can learn more at fgc.ca.gov slash meetings slash 2021. And according to the Sacramento Bee, the California Air Resources Board voted to require ride-hailing companies like Lyft and Uber to phase electric vehicles into their fleets starting in 2023. By 2030, at least 90% of the miles driven by ride-hail companies in California must be electric vehicles. Uber and Lyft have embraced electrification goals generally, pledging to help their drivers switch to green vehicles. Uber drivers who buy electric cars, for instance, can earn an extra dollar per trip. Lyft drivers, on the other hand, can rent electric vehicles. The board's vote represents another step in California's crusade to electrify its cars and trucks to reduce carbon emissions and battle climate change. Now, taking a look at regional weather, 
For Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear, with a low around 49. Tomorrow will be sunny, with a high near 73. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear, with a low around 37 degrees. Tomorrow will be sunny, with a high near 61. And for Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 57, and tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 84. Interesting things are happening in the sky this week. Al Stoller begins with an unusual word. Syzygy, S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. Syzygy is what happens when three things line up. Next Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, sun, earth, and moon will be in syzygy. All lined up, earth in the middle. And that means full moon. But this month, not any old full moon. The moon's orbit is not a perfect circle which means sometimes the full moon is close to Earth, sometimes farther away. This Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, we'll see a super close full moon, a supermoon. Now, whenever the moon is close to the horizon, close to moonrise, close to the horizon, the moon always looks large. But give the moon, Tuesday night, give the moon a few hours to rise high in the sky. And just maybe that super full moon also will look a bit larger than normal. Check it out. For most full moons, the line through Earth, Sun, and Moon is not perfectly straight. But every now and then, Syzygy is nearly perfect. Earth, Sun, and Moon will form a nearly straight line. Next Wednesday morning, Earth will block out the Sun's light from reaching the Moon. And next Wednesday morning, before dawn, as the moon passes through Earth's shadow, the full moon will suffer a total eclipse. I love that old-timey language. The moon will suffer eclipse. If you'd like to watch it, you'll have to get up before dawn. And you'll need a good view to the west. This eclipse takes place low in the sky, close to the western horizon. If you've got a good spot for watching the sunset, that's the place to be to watch the eclipse. Now, with the moon and Earth's shadow, the Earth blocking sunlight from reaching the moon, by rights, the moon should be invisible. But Earth's atmosphere is going to bend a little bit of sunlight into the shadow. Light from all the sunrises and all the sunsets around the world will leak into the shadow and light up the moon. And since the rising and setting sun is red, the moon, in eclipse, is red. Okay, one more thing. Even though next Wednesday's eclipse will be total, it will be just barely total. The moon will not dip very deep into Earth's shadow before it pulls out again. So we'll have to wait and see just how red the moon will get. To see the eclipse, you'll have to get up Wednesday morning before dawn. Totality begins 4.11 a.m. Wednesday morning. So you'll want to be out maybe a half hour before, say 3.45. Again, totality begins 4.11, and then just 14 minutes after the moon has slipped into Earth's shadow, it starts climbing out again. 
at 425. Once more, you want to be out by 3.45 a.m. this Wednesday morning, looking toward the west. A lunar eclipse requires no eye protection, though of course, if you get up before dawn to stare at Luna, that's an old-timey name for the moon, if you're going to stare at Luna before dawn during a lunar eclipse, you run a better-than-usual risk of developing lunacy. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. And that's our newscast for tonight, Monday, May 24th, 2021. Would you like to hear it again? You can do that on our website, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. We get support from Heartwood Eatery, organic cafe on Commercial Street, Nevada City, offering a seasonal menu of organic salads, grain bowls, toasts, and nourishing tonics. Featuring local farmers and producers, Heartwood Eatery is open 10 to 4, closed on Mondays. Coming up, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service. Tonight, Wings looks at how local food sourcing could save people and our climate. And then at 7 p.m., we bring you Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Thanks very much for listening, and thanks to all of you who pledged your support during our latest experiment, The Undrive. I'm Claudio Mendoza. I'll see you tomorrow.